Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Happy Wednesday and welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk radio show. Here's a quick announcement. Our February Heart-Centered and Passion-Driven Inspirations for Better Living digital magazine designed to help moms build a better future for themselves, their family, and loved ones is currently available at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. As an expansion of Valentine's Day, this month's theme is Family Love. The magazine offers inspirational stories from our dedicated team of experts to help you navigate your current situation with confidence in your motherhood journey as the COO, if not the CEO of your family. So please go to inspirationsforbetterliving.com and treat yourself to some engaging, entertaining, and enlightening stories. You deserve it. As for our radio show today, my guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest Chicken Soup for the Soul release, Grieving, Loss, and Healing, 101 Stories of Comfort and Moving Forward. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mom's Talk Radio. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me on again to talk about this important book, which seems so it's appropriate. Fantastic. Yeah, and I love it. I know we have extra <laughs> losses out there because of COVID. Yeah. yeah. So I imagine there's even more than the normal number of people who would appreciate getting mm-hmm. some great tips and advice on how to deal with their own grieving journeys. So true, so true. Well, you know, this is going to be a wonderful kitchen table conversation. I have to tell you, Chicken Soup for the So Grieving, Loss, and Healing, 101 Stories of Comfort and Moving Forward, really lives up to its intention. There is a whole bunch of positive vibes and energy permeating from each of the stories. And congratulations on this release, which was yesterday. Yes, thank you. We're expecting the book to do really well. I like about this is that you can read about someone else's grieving journey, but mm-hmm. most of the books out there deal with one person's experience and how one person, you know, went on their journey and what they did and what worked for them. But it's just one person. And what I like about our approach is that we have 101 stories from 101 different people. Right. And so you are exposed to a variety of experiences, a variety of situations and I think you're more likely to find some stories that give you some great ideas for yourself or or for how you can help someone else who's grieving. And it also means if you're giving the book as a sympathy gift, you don't have to pick a book Mm -hmm. that is exactly right. Okay, this book is by a woman who lost (laughs) her husband, and I'm giving this to someone who lost her husband. With this book, you can give it to anybody who's in any kind of grieving situation and they will find relevant stories. And and I think also a lot of times people who are on a grieving journey right now, maybe Mm -hmm. also are still on a grieving journey from a loss from a few years ago, or they're anticipating another loss coming up, but these things don't come in once, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, losses don't tend to come in ones. You tend to have, a few of them over a period of years if you're at that stage in your life when right, when you're right. starting to lose people. So I like it for me. I found that our book about grieving, loss, and healing really helped me. I lost my mother five years ago. My father has dementia, and we're basically pre-mourning for him, right, because he's mm-hmm, disappearing mm-hmm. right in front of our eyes. Um, we have a lot of different losses to deal with in our family. And this book really helped me to deal with the ones that have already happened and then the ones that are coming for us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's true. What I like about the book, when you talk about the various stories and whatnot, I think the most important thing about it is that it's very, it's a difficult subject to talk about. How's that? You know, because you really, should I talk to so-and-so about this, how I'm feeling? Not really. But the book is that buddy comfort that you have. Yeah, I say it's like a support group that you can mm-hmm. hold in your hands. I mean, it's like you have 101 new friends who <laughs> care about your situation, you know, and they understand what you're going through. And they're passing on 
their best advice to you. And they're so unselfishly sharing mm-hmm. these mm-hmm. personal revealing stories. And, you know, you would think it would be difficult to get people to right. share these stories. Right. But people want to help other people. And so we had thousands of stories submitted for this book. And that's why, you know, when we narrowed it down to 101, we were able to get such high quality stories and such a great Mm -hmm. variety of experiences. So I'm really impressed with our writers. The other thing I noticed as I was going through the stories and going through hundreds of finalists and then selecting the 101 that we published, the stories were so well written. And I mean, I believe that our books always come out well written, but I often do a lot of editing. These Mm -hmm. stories Mm -hmm. came in incredibly well written. And it, I don't know how we got so lucky on that. It might be that, <laughs> it might be that when you're emotional about something, you tend to write better. You right, know, the, right, the emotion right. makes you an even more fluent, mm-hmm. you know, literate kind of writer. Um, mm-hmm. But the stories came in beautifully written with lyrical phrases in them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, I was so impressed with the writers that we had for this book. And so it was really easy to put it together. I mean, not easy in terms of subject matter. It was really intense emotionally. And I, when I'm editing, I normally will do, you know, 15 to 20 stories a day. And I could really only do 10 a day for this book. I couldn't do more than that because you're just diving into other people's emotions. But if you are going through a grieving journey you're prepared to feel that and it's good that the stories are so personal and revealing and that they share so much because that's what makes them so helpful to our readers. Right. So true. And one of the things that the story speaks for itself in the sense that I'm so glad you mentioned about the quality because, you know, we're speaking from the heart. So it's not something that uh, of the mind. And so like you say, and it's, you can feel it. Yeah, you definitely feel it in these stories. Um, it's That's what's great about our writers. I mean, often mm-hmm. they're sharing things with our readers that they've never shared with anyone else before, and they feel comfortable mm-hmm. sharing their innermost thoughts um, with strangers, but it's because they feel like they're reaching out and making connections with people and trying to be helpful. So... It just, it's a really powerful book about grieving, loss, and healing. And we didn't say recovery because that might yeah, not ever yeah, really yeah. happen. But you can heal. You can have the healing on top of callus. And maybe you've got a callus for every loss mm-hmm. that you face. But then you have some scar tissue on top of it so that you could move forward. And that was one of the things that struck me is the different amounts of time that it takes people to go through the different, you know, phases of grieving. And so people talked about that and people wrote about losses that had occurred 10 years ago mm-hmm. with just as much emotion as other people wrote about losses that occurred six months ago, because there's no really appropriate time, you know, length right, of time right. for people to grieve. Everybody does it. Different. And the other thing is that we included stories about grieving for dog because mm-hmm. we got a bunch of stories about grieving for dogs <laughs> and I know that's an incredibly intense experience partly because the dog didn't really know what was going on and that makes you feel even worse because you feel so responsible Yeah. but we included stories about grieving for dogs because when people lose a dog or a cat Sometimes people just pass it off like, oh, well, your cat was 16, so that's fine. But it's not fine. It's a loss of a family member, just like any other loss of a family member. I mean, yeah. when my, when my uh, stepdaughter lost her cat, mm-hmm. you know, of old age, I sent her a flowering plant, you know, and she said, thank you so much because people weren't really acknowledging the loss. So we have people grieving their pets in these stories as well. Right. Well, you you brought up a very interesting point because this is where it's interesting because word has power, right? Because if it's a human, it's a he or a she. Anything else, it. 
and it doesn't really resonate with a lot of people sometimes. It's funny, unless it's you. <laughs> you know what? I have to tell you, though, that in our books that deal with dogs and cats, yeah. we always say he or she. We never say right, it. Right, we always right. give dogs and cats like their full their full <laughs> measure of being part of our lives. And, you know, those dog and cat books that we do, we donate royalties from them to American Humane. And American Humane, yeah. which is the oldest animal welfare organization mm-hmm. in the country, they um, said to us, please always say he or she when you're talking about right. somebody's animal. So, <laughs> so we always do that. We always say he or she unless we just don't know the gender. Then we'll sure, say it. Sure. But if we have the ability to say he or she, we do because – they are absolutely full-fledged family members. I totally agree with that. <laughs> what can you tell us about the wonderful, comforting book cover? I love it. Oh, you know, it might be viewed as a little conventional, but the fact is that we used an image that conveyed what we were trying to do mm-hmm. with this book. So the image shows, looks like um, shale, you know, that kind of, like those rocks that are kind of like slate, they're they're just um, flat and they're piled up on top of each other. And then there's uh, a daisy that has emerged from them in full flower. And the idea is that it's showing you that something can still grow from utter devastation, you know, and this daisy is an example of survival, resilience, finding some kind of joy amidst all the gray. You know, you'll be this pretty little flower amidst all this gray shell. And so we thought this is a quick way for people to see the book and immediately understand what the book is designed to do for them. It's to try to help bring them back to life, to a place Mm -hmm. of joy and beauty, even as they're still dealing with the gray that surrounds them, that cloud that hangs over them. Because that's one of the things that we always talk about in Chicken Soup for the Soul books, and not just our specific grieving books, but other books that are about tough times and resilience and positive thinking. And that is that it's okay. You're allowed to find Mm -hmm. joy even while you are distraught. You're Mm -hmm. not being disloyal to the person you've lost. Um, So it's okay to laugh after a funeral or, you know, laugh during a funeral. Sometimes people are like, I'm so embarrassed they started laughing during the funeral. But that's the whole point is that you need to find joy even as you're grieving. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of the stories in the book deal with that. And I think the cover shows that. It certainly does. I love the color that sort of warm glow of the, in, I, I would say, sun, because it's sort of yellowish. And it's, it's just good. It's very comforting. Very, very comforting. So here's something. Here's an interesting fact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how every year there's those Pantone colors? Yes. Um, like the most popular Pantone color of the year. So we actually missed by, you know, a couple of months, 2021. But in 2021, they picked two Pantone colors for the year, and they were this gray that you see in this shell and then the mm-hmm. yellow that you see. So this cover actually incorporates the gray and yellow that were the Pantone colors of 2021. And it's a great combination, the yellow and mm-hmm. the gray. It's mm-hmm. really pretty. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It's beautiful. So tell us about the various chapters, topics that are covered. So the first chapter is called, Oh, How It Hurts, because we don't want to minimize what people are going through. We are acknowledging this hurts really badly. You know, so that's why the first chapter is called, Oh, How It Hurts. Second chapter is called Saying Goodbye, and includes some stories about, you know, saying goodbye as the person is leaving, so that um, we're dealing with those last few days as well. And then... Chapter three is called Let It Out. And these are stories about people who have been holding it in, trying to be brave, not actually having, you know, the crying jags, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And these are stories about people, finally, something happens in their life and they 
they let out their feelings and then they feel a lot better because they finally express their feelings. Chapter four is called The New Normal, and that's about, you know, a little time has passed since the death and the funeral, and now here we are in the new normal. What is that like? Mm-hmm. Chapter five is called Honoring and Remembering. It has a lot of great ideas in those stories about ways that you can make your loved ones still be a part of your life, honor them in some way, uh, share memories of them. And chapter six is called Moving Forward, and this is people who kind of got stuck or, you know, just needed something to give them that push, that way forward. Chapter seven is called It Takes a Village, and it's a reminder, accept that help that's offered to you. You're not only doing yourself a favor by accepting the help, but you actually do need So you're doing something really nice for the person who you are allowing to help you because they want to do something too. Even if you don't think you need the help, accept it because you're helping someone else by doing that. Chapter eight is called Words of Wisdom. And these are just, you know, that perfect sentence that somebody said to you that made all the difference, that helped Mm -hmm. you with your grief, that helped you move forward. Chapter nine is called Finding New Purpose because that is, the way forward for a lot of people, taking up a new volunteer activity or fixing something in the house. But finding some kind of new purpose really helps people to move forward while they're grieving. And then Chapter 10 is called Love That Doesn't Die. And this is weird stuff, you know, like (laughs) a certain flower that, you know, was like your husband's favorite flower and then it blooms in December when it was supposed to be blooming in June and July. Right, And then the final chapter, chapter 11, is called Creative Coping. And this is a lot of great stories just will, you know, they're just really good ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's something also, just some great ideas to help you out as you're um, moving through your journey. So anyway, those are all of the chapters. I mean, you can see there's so much useful information in this (laughs) book, so much comfort and advice that will really help people. It is. It's very well organized, and I really liked it. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the February edition of our Heart Center and Passion Driven Inspirations for Better Living Digital Magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Grieving, Loss, and Healing, 101 Stories of Comfort and Moving Forward. Amy, let's talk about some of the wonderful stories in the book. Chapter 1 on How It Hurts. I love this story. I Was Somebody's Sister by Jamie <laughs> Croft. Yeah, so this this is an interesting um, quandary that comes up. Mm-hmm. What do you do when somebody asks you if you have any children or if you have any siblings? How do you how do you um, how do you indicate? Well, I did have one, but I don't anymore. So, in mm-hmm. Jamie Corp's case, her Uber driver asked if she had any siblings. And she didn't know what to say because now she's an only child, but she did have a sibling. <coughs> Sorry about my coughing. It's um, okay. So, so she she decided that she would tell the driver the full explanation that her brother had died a few months ago. And he was silent for a moment, and then he started talking. <coughs> And he told her that he had lost his son and his wife, which was, you know, horrendous. Mm -hmm. And so Jamie and the driver cried and gave each other advice. And Jamie says, this special stranger sat in my pain with me as I sat in his for 20 whole minutes. And so I thought that was a good example of what to do Mm -hmm. when somebody asks you that question and you don't know how to answer it. You want to acknowledge the person right. who was in your life. And then also the fact that sometimes 
a good chat with a stranger is just what you need. I totally agree because it's one of those things, like I say again, it's a tough topic, right? Because do you just really call your friend up or somebody you kind of know and just let it out? Not really because the situations may not presented itself that way. But in this particular case, whether it's by divine order or whatever, it's a was a perfect timing that both needs the con, you know, to con, the the counsel that uh, each other need. <laughs> exactly. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to a stranger. We're all human. Yeah. And yeah. these two strangers were really good for each other. Right. Right. So that's what it's all about. <clears throat> Chapter two: saying goodbye, packing up a life, and it's by Amy Crafton. Yeah, so this is one tool that many people find helpful, and I know I found this helpful for myself, was going through mm-hmm. my mother's things and getting to know her again and kind of reviewing her life and saying goodbye to her through her possessions. In fact, I just did it the other day because I had saved my mother's date book, you know, where she'd written all her notes, and I went through everything again and got to know her a little better. And then threw the stuff away because I had done what I needed to do. Yeah. And you can't save everything. But anyway, in Amy Trapton's case, she said that after her mother died, walking into her mother's apartment was just more than she could bear. But she had to confront that lonely little apartment because it needed to be emptied out in a few weeks. So Amy says, as hard as it was to slowly sort through and pack up her things, In many ways, it brought me great comfort. It was my quiet time away from the noise of everyday family life. And she says that, you know, in her family, she had to be strong and not cry every second in front of her little girl who had just lost Mm -hmm. her grandmother. Mm -hmm. But she could cry when she was alone in her mother's apartment, apartment. And she says that even though it was really hard to sort through her mother's stuff, It still made her feel like her mother was there and they were spending time together reminiscing about old times. And so she also found some buried treasures. Like she found poetry that her mother had written that she didn't know about. And then she found all kinds of newspaper and magazine clippings and post-it notes of inspirational and humorous thoughts. And that helped her Mm -hmm. to get to know her mother better and share in all of these things that her mother thought were really important. She says it was like discovering a whole other side of her mother that she hadn't known. Um, And so she also says that as she was packing up her mother's life, she was taking some of her mother's life and incorporating it into her own. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. those memories then became part of Amy's life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was really, really helpful. And then she says this, and I think this is good for the people say, just throw everything away. And Amy <laughs> says, no. She says, people said they were just things that you couldn't keep at all. And that was mm-hmm. true. But then she says, but I was determined to keep whatever I could and also ensure that some of her treasured possessions were given to friends and family. These things are not just things. They're the, they are the last remnants of my mother's life. And I thought that was a really good piece of advice, too, because sometimes people get advice that's a little too Mm -hmm. unemotional and hard-hearted you know it's really (laughs) really valuable to go through this stuff and relive somebody's life and save some of it to save a few special things to have that continuing link right so true well that story i truly resonated with because of the passing of my mom in malaysia and my sister went through the sort of packing things up and I joined her uh, to do a few things and of course I couldn't be there all the time uh, being that I had to get back to United States but it was a wonderful experience for me and especially for her and one of the things that we agreed on is like you said there are a lot of things that first and foremost we don't know where she put stuff at you know because it's her room right so she stuffed it wherever she wants in this case for Amy it's a, an apartment <laughs> but the most important thing I think is that you can share that memory, that beautiful memory with someone else because we end up giving things that not necessarily we don't want, but we uh, categorize them, we catalog them, and we gave out those wonderful things to the extended relatives. 
and they truly appreciate that. Right. Yeah, um, that is true. And then in the next chapter, you know, we were talking about Mm -hmm. joy before and how you have permission when you're grieving to also feel joy. It's not that you're being disloyal or being cavalier about the loss. And so I really think this is one of the most important things we do in this book is tell people it's okay to feel joy. And I know that you really liked the story by Miriam Van Scott. You pointed out to me as one of your favorites. Yes. Yeah. And so this one I thought was interesting because she had been holding it all in. She lost her mother. Um, And it's not that all the stories in the book are about losing your mother. It's because they're not. Uh, We just have, you know, some about that. Um, Right. But she just, she was just, Stuck. She couldn't. She couldn't do what she knew she was supposed to do, which was to celebrate her mother's life. She just found that she was still stuck in, you know, wallowing in her mother's death, even though she had always given people the advice, you know, celebrate your, the life of the person you've lost. But she couldn't do it herself. And then, three weeks after her mother's funeral, she was checking out at the grocery store, and she started talking about the weather with the cashier just to keep things superficial. Mm-hmm. So Miriam handed the cashier a 50 cents off coupon for blueberry muffin mix. And that set her off down a sad road because she started thinking about when her mother used to make muffins for her when she was a kid. And then she thought about a more recent memory when Miriam was making muffins herself for her mother. And Miriam burst into tears in the checkout lane. And then the cashier said, it's okay, ma'am. I'll still take the coupon even if it's expired which, of course, was so not what Miriam was crying about. And it was just so unexpected and wrong and ridiculous that Miriam burst out laughing. This was the <laughs> first time she had, like, expressed herself, you know, and, mm-hmm. and found any joy. And the cashier just looked at her so confused as to why Miriam was laughing, and that made <laughs> Miriam laugh even harder. And so she looked like a crazy person in the supermarket laughing so hard in the checkout line. But that's when she realized, oh, my gosh, if my mother were here, she'd be laughing, too. And then she realized, oh, my mother is still with me. She'll always be with me. And it's okay to think about the fun times and wonderful memories. And Miriam says that that was her turning point. So I thought, it's, I really do think that people need permission, that you are allowed mm-hmm. to have mm-hmm. two completely different kinds of emotions coexisting in, in your psyche. Joy and right. sorrow. They can absolutely coexist. Right. Well, speaking of joy, chapter four, the new normal. I really, truly love this inspiring story. And this is, again, I mean, with the new normal we're facing right now, anything goes. And the story is I Choose Joy by Diane Rumba. So Diane, who I actually met on um, Zoom the other night, mm-hmm. she really had a big job to do to, cho- to choose joy because Diane's husband was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer when Diane was pregnant with their third child. So she ended up having that baby um, when her husband had only four months left to live. And they had a five-year-old and a three-year-old and then this newborn And so her husband died, and of course it had happened really unexpectedly, and they were young. And Diane became a single mom of three, and she says, that was when I learned two simple words, choose joy. And she said she had to choose joy consciously and deliberately because she was always really, really sad. And she had to choose joy when they got her husband's diagnosis. And then she had to choose joy when he died. And she had to choose joy when her poor little five-year-old son came home off the kindergarten bus and ran into the house crying and throwing anything he could get his hands on because he was so overcome with grief because he was just old enough that he was realizing that he was never going to see his dad again. So Diane says every day was, and still is a decision and a choice to choose joy. I can't control my circumstances or the trials that I will face in this world, 
but I can choose my attitude. So I thought that was a really good message also. It's not just that joy is going to find you, that something funny is going to come upon you and then you're allowed to laugh, Mm -hmm. but you could deliberately make that decision. Uh, So that's how Diane has dealt with a very difficult situation. She certainly did. I mean, this is that classic example of, boy, the trajectory of your life just sort of took a tangent. That's it. And what do you do? So it's really, really, truly inspiring. Chapter five. Inspiring. Chapter five: Honoring and Remembering. Cemetery celebration. This is really nice. Very nice. Sarah by Sarah Matson. Yeah, Sarah writes a lot of stories for us, and I had not realized that she had lost her first child. He was born prematurely at only uh, 22 weeks gestation. So. Um, that's very rare for a child born that early to make it, and he did not make it. And so she and her husband, and then eventually with their twin daughters who were born after they lost their firstborn, um, they go to the cemetery and they celebrate their son's birthday every year, and they have a picnic and they release balloons and they sing happy birthday over cupcakes. And so that was the method that they've used to commemorate their son's birthday and keep him a part of their family. The two Mm -hmm. little girls, you know, felt that they knew that they had this older brother and he was part of their family. So it's just an example of a method that worked for one family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the things that this story reminded me of is like, because as Asian and especially Chinese, and I don't know whether this is, I believe up to a certain point is the cultural itself. And we do have those moments of celebrations throughout the year in some ways in different situations. And that brings that sort of spirit back, you know, uh, in a positive way that is I'm talking about, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful reminder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's good. Yeah, yeah. So that's the, you know, it's, it's it's a different way of approaching things, I guess, uh, from that perspective. Um, do you have a do you have a favorite story you like to talk about in chapter six? Oh yes, actually, um, this I think is another really great method to continue a relationship with your loved one after they're mm-hmm. gone and. This is something Marianne Fosnow did, and maybe a lot of people do this, but, you know, it wasn't something that she thought of right away. But she lost her second sister to cancer, and she and her sister Monica had talked on the phone constantly. They lived hundreds of miles apart, but they were always checking in with each other, and Monica always gave Marianne great advice. And, you know, in the days following her death, Marianne kept reaching for the phone to call Monica and then was just struck over and over again by the fact that she couldn't call her sister anymore. And she struggled for months. She just couldn't find that joy, you know, that can coexist with sorrow. Mm -hmm. And then one day Marianne was going through a box of photos and there was a really nice photo of Monica. And she decided to frame the photo and put it on her nightstand. And Marianne says, That was the day our conversations resumed. Yes, they are one-sided, but knowing her so well, I can usually guess her response. Often I just talk to her in my mind, but in moments of excitement, I yelled to her from across the room. (laughs) So Marianne talks to her sister, Monica. She talks to that photo, and she knows what Monica would say, and it helps her to have an ongoing relationship with her sister. And so I thought, good tip another method that people could use. Certainly is. I mean, that's a wonderful story. There's another story in this chapter moving forward that is, to me, is powerful. And what I like about it is that a man sharing his thoughts and his feelings. And the story is A Time to Move On by Tim Mutton. Yeah, Tim found a way to maintain a relationship with his late wife, He was cleaning out their house where they had raised their children. And so there were, you know, 20 years or more of memories 
Mm-hmm. Um, his wife, Linda, had died of cancer in their house, and now it was just so empty and quiet. And it was very emotional for him to go through the old photos and books and toys. It was like watching a movie of their life going by. But, you know, he was selling the house, so he had to clean it out. So he just looked at each item, took a trip down memory lane, and he says the same thing that we talked about earlier. It's not baggage, all of that stuff. It's important stuff. It's memories that connect you to the joy of the past. Right. Anyway, he finished cleaning out the house, and he was stepping out the front door, you know, ready to begin the next chapter, but, you know, pretty reluctant to turn the page on the past. And at that moment, he felt a soft hand on his shoulder, and then he heard his late wife's voice whispering, it's okay, Tim, we need to move on. And then he was able to leave the house and move forward. So how he heard his wife's voice, probably his own brain caused that to happen, but he did mm-hmm. what his wife, he, he, did, he played the part of his wife <laughs> and did what she would have said, which was it's time to move on. And so I thought that was really nice also. We did, we did have a lot of stories by men in this book, which is always welcome and really nice when men are willing to open themselves up mm-hmm. and share their innermost thoughts the way that women are more accustomed to doing. Right, right. And I'm glad, too. I think it's time that we sort of, I don't know, I just, it, it's the kind of thing where the generationally, uh, men may not have been as open or you know to do this but i'm so glad that chicken soup in all actuality provide the platform to me that's the way i look at it and it's uh it's just is it's easy (laughs) for lack of better term (laughs) yeah this book is very much for men also it's just as much for men to read as for women to read and i think that's Mm -hmm. an important thing for people to understand that yeah this book is for everyone it's for men and women, and for people grieving in their 20s, their 30s, their 50s, their 80s. It's for, it's for everybody of all ages uh, because it's really a shared experience, and we all right. go through the same feelings, whether it's losing a grandmother or losing the family pet or losing a spouse or losing a child. So many of the feelings are the same, and I think that it would be really helpful for men, actually, and Men maybe don't want to commit to a whole long book because this is 101 shorter stories. They're more likely to pick it up and read it and will really help them. It's true. Very, very true. Well, that brings me to Chapter 7, and I'm going to tell you my favorite story, and then you can tell me yours. The favorite story that I like in this book, it's basically layup from the one before in the sense that, uh, well, the chapter is It Takes a Village, and the story is A Silent Partner by Cynthia Mendelhall. And the reason why I like this story is because it's just it, and I'll let you explain it. Well, okay, so you never know what to do. You know, when when someone dies, you don't know, how am I going to help my friend or my relative? Because everybody's different. Some people, you know, want to have, like, constant social activity around them. It distracts them. And some people want to be left alone, and then some people are somewhere in the middle. So Cynthia Mendenhall said that in her case, she lost her father, and she just didn't want to do anything but sit and stare into space. Her father's death had been unexpected. He had had a constant stomach ache, and then when he finally went to the emergency room, it turned out that he had pancreatic cancer, and It went really fast. He never even left the hospital. So Cynthia was just in shock, and she says that she would go to her front porch and just sit there and stare and not cry and not not think, just sit there. And day would turn into night, and she would just sit there for hours. And there were all these people showing up all the time with casseroles and cakes and cards and offers to help, but that all felt like an imposition to Cynthia. She didn't want to socialize. She didn't want to smile at her visitors. She didn't want to be a hostess. Now, other people want to do all of that, but she didn't. And how do you know what a friend wants? You just have to kind of feel it out. So she had this friend, Alice, who just got it. 
And she would just show up and sit there on the porch next to Cynthia in total silence. And then after a while, she would get up, give Cynthia a hug, and quietly leave. And Cynthia didn't have to be her host or anything. So everyone grieves differently and wants different treatment. And this was a story that really made that clear. And maybe your friend who's grieving wants to do lots of social activity and then you have another friend who wants to be completely left alone, and you just have to figure out what they want and then give them the type of support that will work for them. And Cynthia says this happened 30 years ago, and she still remembers how her friend Alice would come and sit quietly with her and meet her needs and allow her to grieve in her own way. Right. It's a beautiful story. To me, this is, again, that sort of, just being there for someone, and it's perfect. Yeah, you don't so what's have your to favorite speak. Story? You can just be there. Well, right. so here's another completely different approach, and <laughs> this story by Natasha Lidberg talks about her friend who lost both her parents in the space of two months. First her mother died and then her father. So her friend needed to clean out her parents' home And Natasha asked what she could do to help, which you need to do. You need to ask what you could do to help. And then her friend said that if she could help her clean out her parents' house, that would be really helpful. So Natasha actually went to her friend's hometown to support her in this, you know, really big emotional project. Well, early on in the cleanup, Natasha's friend found this bright pink Kate Spade pump. And she just found one. And she just fixated on this. She had to find the other one. She wanted this pair of pink shoes that had been her mother's. And so there was a whole team of friends who were helping sort through everything. So this was an example of somebody who wanted to be surrounded by people. So this whole team went through everything, making piles of stuff that was going to the dump, stuff that would be donated, stuff that was being given to family members and friends, and they went through everything, and they couldn't find the other pink shoe. And nobody dared to ask Natasha's friend, like, why do you really need this pink shoe? Is it even going to fit you? Because she wanted the pink shoe. That's what she needed. It was a memento of her <laughs> mother, so they were going to find it. They finally got to the last day of the cleanup, and there was just one pile of trash sitting in the corner of the garage. And all of a sudden, Natasha's friend saw a little bit of pink peeking out from that pile of trash. And her friend started laughing and crying at the same same time and grabbed that pink shoe. And Natasha says that she has a final memory of that day that she'll never forget. And that is her friend walking down the driveway, wearing an old jacket of her father's and wearing her mother's pink shoes. (laughs) a wonderful story. That's really, really a beautiful story. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host. Our podcasts are available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Citrus Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hop Hopper. Here's a quick reminder to treat yourself to the February edition of our heart-centered and passion-driven inspirations for better living digital magazine at inspirationsforbetterliving.com. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest Chicken Soup for the Soul release, Chicken Soup for the Soul Grieving, Loss, and Healing, 101 Stories of Comfort and Moving Forward. Amy, let's talk about Chapter 8. I love this chapter words of wisdom and the story that I really like is the mirror of death by john stevens i thought this was a great story now in this case john is talking about the death of his beloved border collie who had been his faithful companion (laughs) for 16 years but here here are the words of wisdom he says as he's thinking through how he's grieving for his his dog He says, the greater the love, the greater the grief. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was so important because he says, the sorrow 
was a mere reflection of the joy we had shared. And he said, realizing that, and realizing that the depth of his sorrow was because of the depth of his love, made him appreciate what he had had. And so, yes, he was experiencing pain, but it was mirroring the amount of joy he had had with his dog. And he wouldn't give that up. He says, would I take away any of the precious moments we had shared to lessen the sorrow I was experiencing now? The answer was an emphatic no. And Mm -hmm. I thought that is a great piece of advice for all of us. If you're really, really grieving hard, because you have experienced great joy and just try to keep that in mind. You wouldn't want to ever give that up. Right. So true. I love that story. Do you have another story that you really like in this chapter? Well, there was another story in here um, and it was by Michelle Close Mills and she met a man in the cemetery. So, um, it wasn't even a cemetery where Michelle had anyone buried. She had lost her dad and her grandmother, and they were buried elsewhere in Indiana, and Michelle was in Florida, but she went to a local cemetery to take walks to feel closer to her dad and her grandmother. And there was a man there who went on Friday afternoons and read aloud from a book at his wife's grave. And she finally talked to this man, and he explained to her that his name was Ted and that he and his wife had always had dates on Fridays. That had always been date night for them. And that even, you know, as his wife got sicker and sicker, they still always had date night on Fridays. Mm -hmm. And so Michelle just felt a lot of comfort from him and the way that he was handling the loss of his wife. And so they decided that they would meet every Friday. She would go and meet Ted and they would talk some more because he talked to her and talked about his wife. But he said to Michelle, I can see that you have been hurt also. So let's talk about that next Friday. But she went back the next Friday and the next Friday after that and the next Friday after that. And he was never there. And then she realized that he had died and that he had been so much more than this simple guy named Ted. He was actually a big shot NASA rocket engineer. So anyway, she was just saying that she was so lucky to have met him because he gave her so much comfort during her time of need. So I just thought that was a sweet story and another great example of how you can get comfort from a perfect stranger. Yes, that's definitely true. I mean, that's a, that, that is one of those wow stories, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it was. I liked it. Um, I liked the fact that he was a rocket engineer too. I thought that yeah, was cool. Yeah, it's it's like wow, <laughs> what you mean? And the impact—that's the most important thing, no doubt about that. Chapter nine: Finding New Purpose, and this is really powerful as well. The House by Kim Johnson. So we talked a long time ago today about um, how finding new purpose can help you a lot. We have a whole chapter about that. And so in Kim's case, she took her mother's death very hard and she actually like went to bed for weeks and then two friends forced her to go on a bike ride with them. And Kim saw this adorable old cottage that was for sale. And she called the real estate agent without even walking into it and just said she would buy it. Her friends were in shock. But Kim knew that she needed that cottage. And soon, Kim and her family were immersed pairing and renovating that little cottage. They spent nights and weekends scrubbing and spackling and painting. And she still had moments when she would sit and weep for her mother. But focusing on this cottage took a lot of time, and it really helped to heal her broken heart, and also heal her family's broken hearts. And they had new purpose in their days. So they finished fixing up this cottage, and then they flipped it, which had been their intention. But this whole project had done its job for Kim and her family. It's a wonderful, like you say, it's it's something that's different. Everybody needs to know ways of 
finding something new, and I thought this entire chapter provides that. Yeah, it does. Um, and it's a, it's a really good idea. Often when people are depressed, it's good to take on a volunteering project or some kind of project because it shows you that you have value in your life and you can go out and make other people happy. And that's a really important thing to do. Often you get happy by making other people happy. Definitely, definitely. Well, Chapter 10, Love That Doesn't Die. I love this story. Roses in Winter by Christine Tollinger. So Christine had this miniature rose bush that her husband Jean had bought for this little spot of dirt in front of their house. And he had loved to take care of this rose bush and he would pick a a rose for Christine every now and then. And then, unfortunately, the bush died right at the time that Gene learned that his cancer had come back. But then he bought another one, which stayed alive but failed to bloom all summer. And it finally started blooming in October, which was a little late, but at least they got to see it blooming. And then a couple of months later, Gene entered the hospital and Christine would see the blooming rose bush when she came home from the hospital and it would give her comfort. But then the day before her husband died, the weather turned cold and the roses began to die. And that just made Christine feel even worse. And then it snowed the day of Jean's funeral and the rose bush was all covered in snow. But that night when the outdoor lights turned on, Christine saw a miniature rose peeking through the snow looking at as if it were June and not December. And now she's had that rose bush for 15 years and it continues to cheer her up and it's a great memory of her husband. And last winter, on the actual anniversary of her husband's death, that rose bush bloomed again in a snowstorm. Wow. Isn't that beautiful? And I love that yeah, story. Yeah, it's so powerful because it also reminds me about my sister who never, I mean, she's like, okay, I'm a uh, career woman per se. She doesn't cook. She doesn't do gardening and all that kind of stuff. But when mom passed, she sort of took over my mom's, uh, our mom's uh, orchid garden. And to this day, she does that and she loves it. It's just amazing. And all the orchids are in excellent shape. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's totally amazing. So chapter 11, this is a powerful chapter. I love this. Creative coping. And the uh, story here, this is another uh, very interesting story. Uh, brush strokes of Comfort. Oh, By Patricia yeah. and so, Rossi. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So Patricia's mother was um, an artist, a really, really good artist. Um, and when, when her mother died, they basically stayed out of their mother's art studio. And it had always been a part of Patricia's life growing up, knowing that her mother was working in her art studio. Anyway, her mother died, and Patricia was devastated. And then she needed to go through studio because she needed to find some papers in there that were necessary for her mother's estate. And she went in there and she saw her mother's artwork. And then she decided that she would finish the last painting that she saw that her mother hadn't finished. So Patricia went and finished her mother's painting. And that really made a big difference to her. And, you know, I've heard of people doing this, finishing a patchwork Mm -hmm. quilt, right? Finishing a right, sewing right, project, right. Yeah. finishing decorating a room as, as the person would have wanted. But finishing a project that someone else started is a really helpful way to deal with your grief. So true. So true. Do you have a story that you like in this chapter to close out the book? Well, there was a story by um, Rebecca Graf mm-hmm. about... Christmas, and it was going to be their second Christmas without her husband being there. And um, he was in a memory care facility. He wasn't gone, kind of gone, 
right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. Uh, because of his dementia. And so she decided that what she would do is get all these photos of her husband with the family over the years and frame them all and put them out for Christmas. And it was great because the pictures were all over the house when her children came and the grandchildren came for Christmas. And so they just spent the whole Christmas looking at all the photos and talking about the memories that they brought back. And so it was a really good way of making her husband part of their Christmas, even though he couldn't actually physically be there. That's wonderful. That's a beautiful story. Please give us a quick preview of what we can expect from Chicken Soup in the coming months. We have a great lineup of books coming. We have a really strong lineup. Um, I've been so impressed with the quality of the stories we've been getting. It's just been a pleasure putting these books together. The next one, which is going to come out on March 22nd, is called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Kindness Matters. And we made this book because there's been a lot of lack of civility mm-hmm. in the country. Uh, and people talk about that a lot. They talk about why aren't people nicer? Why are we being so <laughs> uncivil to each other? You know, this isn't so yeah. we feel good. Uh, so in 2016, we had put out, or maybe it was 2017, we put out a book called Random Acts of Kindness, and it did really, really well. And I think we're still in an environment where people really care about that. And so this book has 101 feel-good stories in it. And we didn't used to have the word feel-good in the subtitle. And then I added it as I was reading the stories because I said, these are so uplifting. They're making me feel good. So that's coming out in March. And then in April, we're putting out another collection of humor stories Mm -hmm. called Too Funny. And that's going to be our third humor (laughs) book in three years. And oh my gosh, the stories are so funny. So it's going to be an uplifting, you know, happy kind of spring for us with kindness book in March and the humor book in April. So I'm really looking forward to that. And then elsewhere in our company, You know, we do have this big entertainment business now, and Mm -hmm. we own this company called Crackle, which is um, actually was named the best free streaming service. So you know what streaming services are, right? It's like Netflix, Amazon Prime, you know, where you stream TV and film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are the subscription ones like Amazon and Netflix, and then there are free ones. And ours, which is called Crackle, was named the number one free streaming service. So there's cool. a lot of there's a lot of new um, entertainment coming mm-hmm. over Crackle. So when you're not reading one of our books and you kind of <laughs> just sit back and relax, I would watch Crackle and see what we have to offer you for free. Awesome. That's really, really awesome. Well, as we close out the hour, what wonderful recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I guess I would say that when you're going through the grieving process, you you become particularly aware of what you need to feel good again. <clears throat> and I think there there are two key ingredients to feeling happy. One of them is gratitude, making sure that you feel gratitude for all the good things in your life, maybe those good things that you're missing now, but you had them and you should feel grateful for that. And if you feel gratitude makes you feel better about your life and more positive about the outlook for you. And then the other key ingredient in my recipe for living is forgiveness. You can't hold on to resentment, hurts, and that really holds for grieving as well. If you, you got to let those things go. And it's actually possible to grant forgiveness to somebody who's already gone. It still works. They don't have to be around for you to do it because it's all inside your own head anyway. So those would be my recipes for living. Um, Use the power of gratitude and use the power of forgiveness. Fantastic. That's really wonderful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Wednesday morning, March 9th, 
My guests are Karen Noll and Marie Antoinette Kelly. Karen is the author of several books, including We Consciousness, and is the founder of the Angel Quest Center in Watwick, New Jersey, where she teaches classes, gift readings, and practices alternative healing. Marie is a self-taught artist who has done hundreds of portraits. She works in well. She is well known throughout Montana. Since March is International Women Empowerment Celebration Month, Karen, Marie, and I will be having a conversation about their remarkable life's journey and their co-creation of a heavenly divination card deck created to enhance the communication between you and your angels so that you may move forward in life with comfort and protection. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Oh, thanks so much, Johnny. I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Bye-bye.